Welcome to Whiskey with Witcher. I'm Valerie. And I'm Tim. And this is a podcast where we drink whiskey and talk about the Netflix TV series, The Witcher. Spoiler alert. While each episode of our podcast directly correlates with an episode of the show, we will be discussing the series as a whole. And we'll be mentioning things from the games, books, and other pieces of Witcher IP. Although we'll do our best not to spoil any major potential plot points. You have been warned. So, Valerie, it's time for the most important question of the podcast. What are we drinking? (laughs) So today we're drinking Bell Mead, which is a bourbon. First, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the brand, and then I'll explain why I picked it. So Bellmead Bourbon originally entered the market in 1878. So this is a little older than some of the stuff we've been drinking. It was produced by a man named Charles Nelson in conjunction with another vendor, Speary Wade and Company of Nashville, Tennessee. However, Tennessee became an early adopter of Prohibition in 1909, which meant that nobody got to have any booze anymore. So fast forward to 2006. Uh, Two brothers and recent college grads, Andy and Charlie Nelson, were running an errand and after pulling over to fill up their car, just happened to notice a historical marker on the side of the road detailing the once influential Nelson's Green Friar Distillery, which was run by Charles Nelson, their ancestor. While the brothers had known that their family had a history in the distilling business, they didn't realize the extent of their ancestor's operation and it inspired them both to start the family business back up again. And after a lot of hard work, Bell Mead is now produced at Nelson's Greenbrier Distillery in the heart of Nashville, Tennessee. So the reason we're drinking this with this specific episode is because Betrayer Moon focuses on themes of transformation and rebirth, both in the case of the Perstriga and Yennefer's initiation. And Bell Mead is a brand that's gone through rebirth of its own. Also, it's got famous horses on the label, and you just know that Horse Girl Geralt would love that. So cheers, Tim. Let's drink some whiskey and talk about Betrayer Moon. All right. The first thing we do is um, we like to give a little summary. Our summaries are not great. Um, <laughs> My summary was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, um, that's because you prepare. I did. I cheated. <laughs> Whereas I tend to give these summaries on the spot. So they are they are kind of garbage. But hey, <laughs> you should have seen the episode. You shouldn't be listening to this podcast without watching the episode because we're going to spoil the hell out of it. Yep. Um, but anyhow, uh, the basic gist of this episode, um, Geralt learns of another witcher who had taken a contract to kill a monster. Geralt hunts this witcher down, finds out eventually that the monster had killed the witcher. Um, He finds that out from a sorceress who was introduced named Triss, who tells him the history of this creature and tells him um, that, you know, why, or basically instructs him not to kill the creature. She wants to save it instead. And the reason why you find out is the creature is actually a princess and is the illegitimate daughter of the king, Foltus. Um, you also find out the creature is called a striga. And then the rest of the episode plays out. Um, there's some dramatic stuff. Geralt fights a striga and ultimately successfully saves it. And then there's the other story, which is Yennefer... Um, who is about ready to graduate and get placed as a sorceress in a kingdom, um, the kingdom of Erdern, I believe, through the sort of betrayal and manipulations by Istrid and largely by Stregobor, um, who Istrid has been working with, ends up getting assigned to... Um, Nilfgaard. Nilfgaard said, thank you. <laughs> no <worries>. <laughs> to <laughs> I'm here for you. And um, she doesn't like that. And um, at first she's like all angry and, and skips the whole you know, coronation, like, like big event where they show off what they're capable of and they graduate 
but her she's angry and decides to um, she's going to not put up with this and goes and gets her transformation, which all the sorceresses do where they change themselves physically. She goes and gets that done um, so that she can just wow the hell out of the king of Erdern, who picks her instead of Fringilla, who had been assigned in her place. And that's her story. There's lots of little bit of Siri, but, you know, we don't need to go into that right now. That's the gist of it. That's 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 my summary on the spot. Nicely done, Tim. Yeah. Good job. Thank you. I think um, it's Arden, though. Arden, Arden. <laughs> we have to drink. It's OK. I think I said Striga as well instead of Striga. So hey, we should two, take two drinks. You don't have to twist my arm to get me to drink this whiskey. <laughs> it's actually pretty good. So first of all, my first question, though, before we get into discussing the meat of it, is what do you think of the name of this episode? Betrayer, Betrayer Moon. Moon. Yeah, it was a little little on the nose a bit for me, in my opinion. It's like, you know, how do we combine elements of both stories? Like, let's just mash them together, you know? Yeah, it's a little, it's a little weird. Mm. I don't, I don't have strong feelings on it one way or the other. I'm just kind of like, well, yeah, it's, it's nighttime. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, I liked, I really liked the name of the last episode, The Four Marks, especially yeah. when you, when you talked about the two different meanings it had. Yeah. Um, so this one just seems a little on the nose. But that said, the short story, which we'll get into down the line later in the podcast, but the short story this is largely based on is just called The Witcher. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think, you know, you had to come up with something different than than that. You know, one of the things I really liked about this episode visually, but there are so many beautiful, interesting parallels between the two storylines, just yeah. from like a camera perspective and the shots they selected. For example, like you have. The, the girl, the Striga, and I guess I'm jumping right to the end of the story here, but when she's <laughs> cured, you have her lying like naked and dirty on the ground. And then you see yeah. that shot of Yennefer intercut where Yennefer is like lying naked and bloody on the ground. Or did they put um, Geralt fighting the Striga right up against mm -hmm. Yennefer's transformation? And yeah. they have, you know, parallels happening there both, visually as well. They're both bloody. These are like painful yeah. transformations. These are not, you know, gentle, graceful things at all. It's, you know, they're visceral. They're ugly. They're hard to watch. Yeah. And honestly, this is something you kind of touched on in our last episode that I wanted to follow up here. They let Yennefer be ugly. They mm -hmm. let her react to things as you would actually react to them, which I really appreciate. Like so many times you see like the female roles in fantasy and they're, they're just there to be like pretty. And even when they're in pain or uncomfortable, they're doing it in a sexy way, you know? <laughs> and I love that she just gets to react as one would react in this situation. And she's allowed to scream her head off and you feel for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what do you think of her... Just the lead up to her transformation. I guess maybe we're, you know, we're, we're talking a bit. Rewind a little story. bit and go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just because it, it it's not an immediate thing. Like, you know, that's kind of the climax of her story um, in this episode. And to get there. Well, well I think Geralt's has the traditional action in, in, in this episode. He has, you know, he has the big fight. You know, Yen is more. Like basically the Aratusa story comes to a head, you know, she realizes Istrid has been um, has been, you know, basically has betrayed her, has been kind of telling what she's told him in confidence to Stregobor and it ends up costing her the position she was looking forward to um, prior to that. It seemed unclear whether she was going to actually want to go through with this. Yeah. You know, one of the things I really love about this show is that they show Yennefer in her OG body 
being sexy, being desirable. You know, she's a disabled woman of color uh-huh. and you get to see her like have this hot boyfriend who's yeah. super into her. And you never again in fantasy tropes like the women again are usually just there to like be eye candy. Yeah. And I love that she gets to exist as a person and gets to be this like sexual being yeah. in <laughs> her own skin. <laughs> she, you know, it's great. And it doesn't seem like she's ever that into being beautiful. Yeah. Like to her beauty, I think, is a means of power. And it's not necessarily like, oh, I can't wait until I'm not a hunchback anymore. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. if I'm beautiful, then I will be powerful. Yeah. But not like, I, you know, and, and she has like, she can't make up her mind about what it is she wants in terms of enchantments yeah. and like no, how to go with that. You're, you're 100% right. There's this great line, you know, um, after she's confronted Eastred, after she's learned of his betrayal, where he says something like, you're just angry because you're- You, you lost your chance, chance to, to be, be beautiful. beautiful. And she says, I want to be powerful. Yeah. Um, like it's just, yeah, it, it shows how she sees that part of this whole process. It's, you know, it's a way to to gain that sort of power. And I mean, let, let's be real. Like in real life, it's a way as a woman, like mm-hmm. your society values you still based on your outward appearance more than anything. Like, yeah. It doesn't matter like how smart you are, how talented you are. At the end of the day, people are still going to like rag on your looks. And I think that's, un- you know, they talk about this in the books as well. And this yeah. is something that, yeah, like, Met the male sorcerers, and she has a line about that, like a Banard boy, you yeah. don't have to change your appearance, whereas the women are expected to do it. You know, I do want to actually point something out, though, that I found interesting about the whole Aratusa story, which is not many of the sort, I, I don't know what they call them, trainees. Yeah. The source, yeah. The students um, from last week's episode or, um, you know, the previous episode. Um, actually graduate, you know, most of them get turned into heels, <laughs> yeah. but the ones that do, um, Fringilla and I think Sabrina yeah. is the other one you see her in, in this episode and they are already quite attractive. Yeah, they look exactly the same. <laughs> like, like, there's yeah. no difference. They don't, they don't, they don't, they don't have any work done as far as I can tell. Yeah, I feel like they could have uglied them up a little a bit little in the bit. beginning just oh. to not have it be so obvious. Yeah. Well, and I do know in the books, they tend to like I, I don't remember which book it is, but they the point is made that um, the women who become sorceresses are always sort of these, um, you know, unattractive kind of a lot of times, you know, um, malformed sort of outcasts. And um, and it seems to be like like all of them started that way and are made beautiful. Um, and I don't know. I don't know. You know, I mean, maybe you would be better or other people would be better than I am to say whether that's saying something better about women or not but it is a difference like here here i think the students um are all very you know a lot lot of them are already very attractive there's no sense that they're these sort of outcasts except for yen yen is the one you really see that with she's the one who like you said has a hunchback and and clearly was not well liked in her you know in her within her family and within her town so um so she kind of fits that description but i don't know anyone else really does yeah there's one girl in a later episode who kind of has like a birthmark but uh, you know that's like that you know yeah 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 um but you know 
I think we also have to talk about what you mentioned about Yen being sexual. Yeah, <laughs> because, get it, girl. Because, yeah. We get this, that spy versus spy mage action. This is our first full-on sex scene in yeah, this episode. Yeah, it's not like weirdly and, cut like the Renfrew one. Yeah, and it's in the bone cave. Yeah, they're, boning they're boning in, in the, the bone, bone cave. cave. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. We were so excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> With an audience. Yeah. Although it's, I, th- I believe they're just a, you know, a holographic audience. I, was, right? I yeah. wasn't sure about that. I think that. it's just an illusion that she conjured. I thought so too. It's a little weird. That yeah. was a little weird. I didn't get that. I don't even know if I got that it was an illusion until I had seen this either the second or third yeah. time. You're like, why are all these people watching though? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's very, like, and and if it is an illusion, I'm not quite sure the point of it. Like, you know, is that They're making a kink? their own fun in the bone is, cave. Is that a kink? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, for sure it is. <laughs> I kind of agree with Eastred when he says, can you, he says something like, can you make them do something? They're just watching. Because yeah. <laughs> the thing is, it's like, all right, okay, I, I guess I kind of understand the kink but it's like they, they were just staring like all <laughs> studiously all quiet all, a little creepy actually i thought hey tim um, one person's yuck is another person's yum <laughs> i'm just saying i don't think eastrid was all was, was, was that, all that into, into it, it. Yeah. yeah yeah i think he could have been if maybe they were just you know doing a little bit more than just staring at them <laughs> like they were watching some scientific you know presentation yeah yeah um but yeah we get our first like real sex scene i know that's pretty fun and and honestly you know they needed to christen that bone cave you know you you know i love how obsessed you are with the bone cave it's 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 so weird i mean nothing gets me hotter than being surrounded by the remains of my dead ancestors you know (laughs) you know like I, i i know last week i was talking about how weird you know or last episode i was talking about how weird this bone cave was but i'm like i I would totally be down to get down in the bone cave like that. I'm like, all right, you got it. I mean, let's get a little freaky here, but you know, <laughs> I'm, um, uh, yeah. Like just hanging out there 24 seven, you know, doing everything. What is, where is the location? I mean, is it at our two? That's the other is thing. It, it's I just don't like, know. It just exists. It just outside exists. Of time. I'm not quite sure. I don't think they're ever really clear about where it is or how, like, do they always have to teleport to it or, you know? And is Benard near Artuza or yeah. is it off somewhere? I don't know. I'm sure there are Witcher lore experts who would have answers to these questions, but. We are not those experts. Yeah, they're not We're just us. here to drink alcohol and shoot the breeze. Yeah. Do we want to keep talking about Yennefer's storyline? So basically she, mm-hmm. she decides that she's going to do some little political intrigue on her own and make it so that she does get what she wants, even though the council has other plans for her well and good for her because it was you know like it was it was bullshit like i gotta say um the scene in at the end you know after this she goes through this transformation and she comes in and basically yeah gets what she wants she she walks onto that ballroom floor and you know wins over this this king oh and she shoots this little look at everybody yeah. too i like to say uh, and um frangela it, like oh yeah yeah me. like like you know me i have a i have a sometimes prickly relationship with yen as a character um i don't love her the way i think you do um i don't i don't dislike her it's just sometimes she drives me nuts yeah um but this episode god when she walks onto that that ballroom floor at the end just like owns it i am all for that 100 percent. yeah that dress is fire too i love that dress she's in it's amazing and yeah. starting her uh black and white look yeah uh, earlier 
when she oh and i do want to correct myself we have to take a drink because oh. when i corrected you on the pronunciation of the kingdom i see now looking through my notes that i was also wrong yeah. and it's aiden the kingdom that she wants to go to is aiden, aiden. so take a drink everybody right. if you're playing along at home um but yeah, that dress is amazing. And this kind of starts her black and white kick because previously she's wearing blue, which is the uniform of Eratusa. Mm -hmm. And then when she's talking to, I call him the extreme makeover wizard in my head, yeah, yeah. he holds up a gray dress to her and mentions something along the lines. Oh, I do have the exact quote. It is a gray dress assumes importance without bald ambition. <laughs> and she was going to wear that gray dress until they were going to send her off to... Uh, Nilfgaard. Yeah. So now all of a sudden she shows up in this black number and we see her in black and white for the rest of the series. Who is that? That wizard has fabulous hair. Oh, he's great. He is like, oh, he was the perfect guy for that part. I, I know. Have to say. I know. And let's talk about that, man. That extreme makeover sequence. We talked on it. We touched on it a little, but it yeah. was intense. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was it was pretty harsh. I mean, you know. Well, first of all, she essentially gets a hysterectomy, yeah, so, yeah. which is something that's going to come into play later that we'll discuss in future episodes. For sure. For sure. But, you know, yeah. You, you Without anesthesia. Pretty much, you pretty much see it. Yeah. yeah. It's just that that's bad. And then I don't know what, you know, the way they cut that sequence, like you said, it's cut against the, the Geralt battle. Mm -hmm. Um it, you know, you don't really see exactly what's happening to her after that, but you see stuff is happening. I mean, yeah. her body's obviously transforming in some way. Um, I don't know if like, yeah, her hunchback is just kind of. Yeah, you see like her spine or, kind of changing yeah. and shifting and stuff. Yeah. And her jaw as well. Yeah. So I guess it's just kind of all just her you know, her, her body is changing. Um, but they, you're, it's not a hundred percent clear. Like you see him at one point drawing marks on her, mm -hmm. like almost like a surgeon, like a plastic surgeon. Yeah. And, um, and so, so yeah, it's not a hundred, but hundred percent clear, but that's, I guess, I guess that's the simple way to refer to it. It's like, you know, magical plastic surgery. Pretty much. <laughs> but, yeah. But brutal. And um, she tells him to leave her eyes, to leave her purple eyes. Yeah. And to leave the mark she has on her wrist. Yeah. And it's canon that she has the purple eyes in the books, but I don't believe they ever, there's nothing about her having a suicide attempt or having no. marks. You know, and the one other thing that occurred to me with the end story was I am very um, sympathetic to Tessaia in, in this story. First of all, Quick like shout out, like at one point, um, Yen walks in on Tasea and Tasea is like smoking a pipe. And I fucking love that, you know. Like <laughs> she also has a line about Toussaint, which yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. if you haven't played the games, Mayanna Burning, who plays Tasea, mm -hmm. does the voice of An Anna Henrietta. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I wonder if that was a little Easter egg. A for, little nod. Yeah, for the fans of the game. But yeah, no, her. I, I I missed that, I think, the first time I watched it. But just in her office smoking a pipe. Yeah, smoking the pipe, you know, <laughs> the fact that she does that. So I, I still love to say it. And I'm very sympathetic to her position. But nonetheless, I still am all for Yen coming out and owning that whole stuffy ballroom floor of these like wizards and, you know, sorceresses who are trying to, you know, like set the futures for these women. Speaking of those other women, mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit about things coming down the pipeline because Fringilla going to Nilfgaard mm -hmm. sets everything in motion. Yeah. If Yennefer had gone to Nilfgaard, this whole thing may not have happened. But, yeah. You know, with Nilfgaard invading Sintra and all that. Yeah. 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 No, it is. Um, and that's that's the other side of this, you know, for as much as I'm all, you know, go go Yen, you know, you go with your bad self. You show those bastards up like it's. um it does kind of set in motion things that ultimately prove to be very, you know, 
I don't know. I don't know if tragic's the right word, but certainly destructive for this kingdom um, and for this 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 whole world, I guess. Um, and 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 definitely for the characters in this show. Yeah, and like one other thing, going back a little bit that I want to talk about with Yennefer is her breakup scene with Istrid. Istrid oh yeah, or however you say his name. He, uh, yeah. They have quite the epic fight uh-huh. and it's really great and he has this line that i just love about how it's slow suicide to go along with what he wants to mm-hmm. do like she has her own things that she wants to do and he just kind of assumes that she'll be along for the ride on his dreams and uh-huh. she's like no i have my own things dude yeah like there's stuff i want to accomplish i yeah. don't necessarily want to tag along and <laughs> you dusting bones all day you know Mark, but here's my question to you then um is that truly how she's always felt or was she willing to to sacrifice what she wanted, you know, um, when she thought he loved her? And was- well, I don't think she was going to sacrifice. I, I think their interests aligned before. I think mm-hmm. with, you know, yeah. him wanting to do his archaeological stuff was in close proximity to the kingdom she yeah. wanted to be assigned to. And suddenly when that wasn't on the table for her anymore, mm-hmm. I think she reevaluated her priorities and what exactly it was she wanted and whether yeah. or not she wanted her dreams or if she wanted to just follow him around. Yeah. Yeah. Especially combined with the fact that, um, I think that like was when she had, yeah, she knew he had betrayed her at that point. Right. Yeah. So yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, but, but that scene, the breakup scene, you're right, is pretty well done and has some phenomenal lines, you know, like we mentioned the, I want to be powerful line too, yeah. but there's also the one about victimhood is not your, your, okay, your color, color and yeah. she says, or um, was it heroism? Heroism isn't, isn't yours, yours. yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, clearly the writers had a blast with that scene. Um, I certainly have a blast, like, you know, watching it, which is sad to say, because like, yeah. I don't normally wallow in other people's pain. Not the way you do, Valerie. <laughs> <laughs> I love the angst. It feeds me. When I rewatched this episode to, you know, prepare for, you know, this podcast, I was surprised how much of it, even having seen it twice already, I had forgotten just about that. Like I had completely forgotten about these miners at the beginning of the episode, just blanked them out completely. Uh, (laughs) And I love that it's uh, the cast. They have um, dwarves in there. They have humans in there. Dwarves dwarves in the world are frequently miners. Yeah. And it's just nice to like remind you, look, there are other, you know, races in this fantastical realm. Yeah. And they do interact with each other. Yeah. So I, I, but that was one thing I'd forgotten, you know, these miners. And then the other thing I completely forgotten about entirely was that they, they, they didn't realize it was a Striga at first, that they thought it was some other Voodalek. Yeah, Voodalek. Now I can say Voodalek, no problem. But everything else is like, nope. All right. So I, I didn't remember these things, but here's my question to you now that I've rewatched it and I, I know these, these miners are in the episode. Do you think they need to be in the episode? Do you think it adds something to the episodes having these characters? And like they're at the beginning of it and then they pretty much are gone for everything else. And they never show up again in the series or just these random miners that are scheming against the king. I think the miners work. I mean, I definitely understand and not getting too much into it because we'll discuss this later in our segment where we compare the books to the show. But they definitely had to change some stuff around by getting rid of some of the more expositional characters in the book. So I think that this showcases the unrest that's going on 
how people, the peasantry, aren't happy yeah. with what the king is doing. Yeah. Like, I think it showcases that in a nice way. And like I said, it's also a nice world building detail where you get to see, like, some of the folk that actually populate the world and not just the gentry. Yeah. Yeah, no, you definitely do get a bit of that. It just, you know, after it was done and um, we got to, you know, the end of the episode, I was just like, oh, yeah, those guys just kind of disappeared. <laughs> They're you know? still there somewhere. Yeah. yeah I yeah. also like that there's... um essentially ye old tagging like when you go into the city there's that poster up on the, uh-huh. the signpost that says like uh, realm of monsters and cowardly kings <laughs> to <Tiberia. laughs> these views yeah they know how to <laughs> they know how to you know slap back in you know the witcher com- community as well apparently going back a little bit mm-hmm. i do want to talk about the beginning of this episode where yeah. girls with the sex worker yeah, yeah. And she's singing all the songs about his scars. So yeah. I, I did the math. This is three years after Girl and Yaskier meet. Mm. So three years in, Yaskier's already had some bops if this random sex worker knows enough about the songs to like be singing to Gerald about his various scars. So. <laughs> and speaking of their conversation, too, one other little Easter egg is that uh, we see the scar that Renfrey left from mm. their fight on his leg, like right by his knee. Oh. In her in her thigh. Is that the one that she makes a comment on? Yeah, someone yeah. like who would try to take your treasure or something. Yeah. Like Although it's not that high, it's like closer to his knee. Uh. But yeah, she um I actually rewatched that fight scene and she does like get him with her knife on his inner thigh. So that's a cool little throwback. Yeah, fun little Easter egg to yeah. first episode. So I mean, all right, so we introduce another witcher. We introduce this this sex worker, both of which largely stand to get Geralt to Tamaria. Um, and hearing about this, this creature and like, I, the other thing I, I, I really think about this story. I, I like this story a lot. It's the first story in the very first Witcher book. So yeah. if you start reading the Witcher books from the very beginning and like in the order that they were written, well, with a caveat, but we won't get into that. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's the first Witcher book. It's, you know, the one that. That everyone starts with the last witch wish. Yeah, the first short storybook. And it's the first story in it. This is the this is this is what you get. You get the story of Geralt fighting the Striga. Um and so I'm I'm certainly glad it's adapted for the show. I I think there's an argument to be made. I'm not saying that I'm not one to say, oh, they had to have done it that way, should have done it that way. But there's an argument to be made. It should have been the first story that they adapted, but I, you know. I don't I I won't go so far as to say that because I feel like there's reason for doing what they did. Um, But what I do like about this one is it really establishes what a Witcher is. I mean, it's basically Geralt fighting a monster. Yeah. And um, and there's a little more depth to it than that, a little more nuance to it than that. But that's really what it is. And um, and you got to think when you're introducing a world, you're introducing a character and a class like a Witcher is not something that is commonly known to people the way, say, a wizard would be or a knight. You know, it's a good story to establish what that is, I think. Yeah. And, you know, one other interesting little detail. I Maybe I missed it, but it seems to me like the previous Witcher from the intro doesn't have golden eyes. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if they just forgot <laughs> to do it or they were going to do it in post or what and didn't or if this is something unique to Geralt. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see because we haven't seen. Yeah, this is the only other Witcher we've encountered. Yeah, so far. So, um, so yeah, we'll have to see. Um, 
you know, I don't want to get too much into like the anime, but we have seen that. I don't yes, yes. Well, the anime is kind of its own thing. It's kind of its own thing. But we'll do you remember if their eyes were? Yeah, colored? they are golden. They the are anime. golden. That mm-hmm. okay. Well, yeah, I think you're right. We'll have to really wait to see how. And he also has a pipe. Off. There's a lot of pipes in this episode. It's a very strong episode for pipes. That's true. That's true. That's true. Right. But you're more accustomed to see men with pipes, I guess. Is just what to say. And her awesome, like high collared, like, yeah. beautifully tailored, gorgeous dress, woman, just, like yeah. smoking a pipe, yeah. yeah. We'll eventually obviously get into like more differences between the story in the episode and the story in the book um, as we get to that section of our podcast. But um, there are some differences between the full tests on the show and the full tests in the book. Like he's he's older here, it feels like. Yeah, I believe he's in his late 30s or thereabouts. And he's also supposed to be attractive in the book, which no offense to the actor, he's very stately. But he's, you know, he's an older gentleman. He's not like a hot dude in his 30s. Yeah, you get the sense that he's um, he is attractive in the book. They seem to describe him as that. And that's how I pictured it, pictured him while I was reading it. But um, but he's also like here really sort of growly and really sort of just like like rude to Geralt, at least at first. So I, I basically came away not really liking Foltest here in the episode, which it, that is a difference for me from the book. Not Maybe not one to go into in that section, but like, you know, yeah, I, I, I came away thinking Foltest is kind of a, a jerk of a king. And then, of course, you find out, you know, also in, I guess, a bit of a twist in the episode that um, he's responsible for the Striga because, or, well, I guess somewhat responsible for the Striga because um, it's she's his daughter with his sister. Yeah. Fun so, times. Yeah. <laughs> well, Incest in they, another they, fantasy series. They fun times. <laughs> Incestuous fun times. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And so he, um, yeah, he, he, he basically, you know, had a thing for his sister, got her pregnant and it was her um, baby who became the Striga. Now she also um, committed suicide, right? Or, or did I she think die she in died in childbirth. Okay, I believe she died in childbirth. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she's 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 dead. So um, so it's just the baby that that you know, well, that lives on as like a Striga. Um, and you find out, you know, I guess more for from the book that the baby actually was born and 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 then died and was buried, and they thought that was the end of it, but. You know, then came back as a street. Anyhow, you don't go into that level of detail in the in the episode. But but yeah, so he's kind of responsible in some ways for this monster. And um, and I just feel like, um, you know, his motivation, like he doesn't seem to want to do anything about it. And it's not. Yeah. And his townspeople are getting like picked off. Yeah. You know, his serfs and whatnot the peasantry is getting yeah essentially and he doesn't want he doesn't seem to want to do anything about it and i feel like his motivations here in the episode are entirely clear um i mean even when you find out the truth you know maybe not until his last scene do you kind of get a sense like okay maybe he he cares a little bit about this kid and you know and certainly seemed to care about his sister. I mean, say what you will about that sort of relationship. He seems to love her and, you know. Um, yeah, he has a good line about love casting long shadows. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, he does kind of, you know, um, let down the prickly exterior a little bit in his last scene. But I don't know. I I came away with not really caring much for Fultist as a character. I think that's somewhat by design, though, because he's so? kind of a shit king. Like, yeah. all these peasants are ready to revolt and whatnot because he's not doing right by them. And hmm. you see that play out, too, in the palace. Yeah. No, no, that's a that's a good point. 
And then I, of people in the past. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. well, well, okay, I don't know if you're, but I'm like, I guess we should introduce, mention at least one other yeah. character before we get to the big one, which is um, this, um, this, this, this Lord. Was it Lord? O okay, I wrote it out phonetically, guys. It is Ostrit. Ostrit, yeah. Lord Ostrit, who, um, yeah, it's this other character who's introduced, um, who works for the king. Um so we find out it's Osric, uh, Ostrit, Ostrit, oh God, uh, <laughs> Ostrit. Um, I want to call him Ostridge, but. <laughs> Honestly, I've mispronounced so many things so confidently. And then after the fact, been like, I don't think I said that right. That's not even a, so... hard, that's not even a hard name. That's not, <laughs> you know, that's not me like slurring or, or stumbling over a Polish name. That's me just like. Vudalek, Vukalek, I don't even know anymore. <laughs> that's me. That It's kind of getting a little late and I'm kind of getting a little, a little tired. But like, um, yeah. So we find out Ostrit is actually responsible, spoiler alert, for the Striga. Like, you know, he was in love with. Fulta's sister, her name was Ada, by the way. I do know that. Um, he was in love with Ada and was angry that, you know, Fultis was kind of claiming her and, you know, and she seemed to be into into him. And, you know, they had that kind of squicky relationship. So um, <laughs> squicky as yeah. So Ostrit, Ostrit, you know, he he was kind of angry about that. And I think he tried to curse. Fultis, but the curse extended to all of them or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was he didn't seem to, you know, this is why you don't buy curses off of weird women in the yeah, woods, you know? Weird rando women. Weird, weird rando women on the run from the brotherhood. <laughs> it seems like a bad plan all around. Yeah. 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 I think he was trying to get it Fultis, but instead it kind of got at everybody. Yeah. Including random peasants. Yeah, he certainly wasn't intending to create a striga. You know, like that wasn't his plan. But but yet he did, Tim. Yeah, it's he almost did. as if the striga wasn't the monster of this episode. <laughs> and instead the real monster no, was mad. Stop, it's not that clear black and white. <laughs> like he he was in love and and you know and in fairness like you know, Ada would have been better off with that with him. You know? I don't know if she would have been better off with this fucker, but well, yeah. all right, maybe not. But she would have been better off not with Fultis. With her you know? brother, yes. Yeah. Um, like, sure. You know, and and the okay, you know, maybe she didn't love um Ostrit, but Ostrit loved her. And, you know, I think like him wanting, you know, yeah, like he definitely made some selfish choices, but I don't think he's wrong in in saying that. Yeah, look. You know, to add a look, you shouldn't be with your brother. Yeah, that's, that's, not, you know, that's fair. Yeah. I don't know if like he's the paragon of perfect no, romance that no, we want to, no, you know. No, no, but, I but think, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. I, yeah. I, and I think he fits into our kind of our theme, which I think is, you know, these these wonderful shades of gray yes. that we find in all these different. You're like, characters. he went about it a very awful way. Yeah. And like we, we haven't discussed like her agency in this. Right. But yeah, he's not entirely wrong in his point. Yeah. I mean, you don't get a lot of sense of her agency. Yeah. One way or the show. other. Yeah. yeah. So there's this character of Ostrit. Um, who also, and, and ultimately he ends up getting killed by the Striga, um, you know, kind of in a sense of poetic justice, maybe. I don't know. But, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. I, I certainly didn't shed a tear for, for, for Ostrit, you know, um, but, um, but, but then, okay. And then there's the other, the bigger character, bigger as in she has a bigger role in the story and just kind of the you know Geralt's story as a whole which is Triss Marigold Triss! who is introduced here um and Triss is you know for people who only know the show Triss is uh if the show follows a book she should 
become a bigger character as the seasons go on. And she's definitely a big character in the game. Um, she's kind of like one of your two big romantic options if you're playing the Witcher game. And so um, Triss has a lot of fans. And now I guess it's the time to come clean. I am definitely team Triss <laughs> when it comes to, you know, who you ship girl with. You know, um, there's there's team Yen, there's team Yennefer. Um, who I think is probably the bigger team. Um, and then there's Team Triss. And if you're a show fan like me, you're Team Yaskier, but that's neither <laughs> yeah. here nor there. Yeah, I'm, I'm largely just talking about the game. Yes, the two yes, big romantic options. Um, but anyhow, Triss is like a, a big part of it. And obviously I don't want to go into too much of what her future story is, um, but she is an important character. And um, if, if the show adheres to what, happens in the books and what happens um, in the games which are set after the books then you would believe that Geralt comes to care a lot about Triss um, and which kind of you know I guess you know we're just gonna say it like um, Triss this this casting is was a little bit controversial and we won't go into all the reasons for it because a lot of them are kind of bullshit um, but you know I think there's a reason you know, there, there's a point to be made, you know, um, I'm not the biggest fan of the casting, even though I'm sure the actress is phenomenal. Um, I just don't know if she was the right one for this role. And it's not for a lot of the reasons people say my racist reasons. Yeah, I mean, let's no. just come out and say it. Like, yeah, a lot of no, people it's... are salty about the fact that a woman of color is playing Triss. Yeah, it's not that. And it's not even her hair, although her hair is a big factor in the she's games not in the fire books. engine red she's not like fire engine which red. she's not in the books in the books it's described as chestnut would so you consider this chestnut? i would consider i would say chestnut is brown i would consider chestnut a brown with maybe some red which she sort of has but yeah like she it's, has this fire engine red hair a, in the games and i think that's what people are obsessing about well i mean the thing is it's supposed to be and i guess i guess you could say that this this actress and and you know the way they've styled her hair is this but it's supposed to be her tris's most famous feature yeah i think she's got pretty awesome hair i think my biggest problem with this is and maybe this will change but like i saw no chemistry whatsoever between i will agree Triss with you on that Geralt. and i do and this was my first introduction to Triss as the character yeah. like i first experienced her this way and i thought she was awesome and i still do but i definitely don't see any kind of like romantic yeah chemistry between them she was very she was very fun in that she kind of like calls him on his bullshit yeah. she doesn't put up she's like has a lot of kind of fun sarcastic comments to him which i really liked yeah but yeah i didn't really pick up on a lot of like chemistry necessarily between the two characters yeah and i would think that there would be which makes me wonder and now we're getting in the realm of total speculation but hey that's cool to do here um it does almost make me wonder if they're just going to change that storyline entirely not have her be a, a romantic interest of Geralt and a possible, you know, rival for Triss. Um, she could be a romantic interest of Yennefer. I'm just saying. I mean, well, she's supposed to also be best friends with Yennefer. Like she is canonically, canonically a bi. She, <laughs> she in the books is bi. I mean, so. it totally could. Yeah, they could go that route. So, I mean, it basically... To me, it, it it suggests one of two things. One, either this chemistry is going to have to come later and hopefully it actually is there and um, these two performers are able to perform off of each other um, or else they're just not going to 
they're just not going to introduce that element. She's not going to be, uh, um, you know, a, a love interest of Geralt and a possible. I do want to backtrack on something you just said about them performing off of each other because I think they are performing off of each other, yeah. just not in a romantic yeah, way. Romantic. Like I said, I she's got some very fun, like sassy, quippy lines that she says to him. Yeah, but it's definitely not like I don't get a romantic vibe off of them. Yeah, I, it's more like a friends or little sister, or someone who's not like taking your bullshit kind which, of relationship. Which then you know kind of makes me think that it's possible they may cut that whole element out of the story completely and it just to me that just feels like such a major change you know full disclosure i am still in the process of finishing the books um i don't know how this all ends and i do know um if you consider the games canon a lot of them are based on your choices so i don't think there is you can say properly that oh Geralt ultimately ends up with yen or tris because it, it's it's based on how you choose to to do things in the games or you could end up with no one um but um so, you know, so in my little headcanon, he ends up with Triss and yours. Maybe he ends up with Yennefer or or ends up with Yasker. OT3, Yennefer, Yasker, Geralt. The um, triangle is the best shape. <laughs> um, but for me, you know, like, yeah, I at least like that possibility. So I don't know. The, the thought of them excising that aspect from the series is not. It's, you know, it's not one I love. So I hope that's not what they're going to do. We'll have to we'll have to see. Okay, switching gears a little bit. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about this fight with Striga. Because okay. it's fucking badass. Yeah. First of all, the creature design, the umbilical cord. Oh uh -huh. my God, it's not an umbilical cord. The Striga, it's so creepy. <laughs> I love it. It's so great. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, we've talked before, not really with regards to monsters, but how good sort of the makeup, um, you know, in this show is. And, you know, we talked about like Triss and how um, as a hunchback, like, you mean Yennefer? Yennefer, sorry. Yeah. Thank you. Ah, uh, see, you're confusing your Triss and your Yennefer. Uh, Don't make that we mistake. Just, we were just talking about Triss, but you're, yeah, no. I mean, certainly Geralt doesn't want to make that mistake. I know, right? <laughs> but yeah, the, the monster makeup is, 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 I mean, it's grotesque. It's, it's, it's crazy. And so, yeah, you've got that. I mean, this is, I think, the first episode that really, truly gets creepy at times yeah. a little scary at, at moments um and um and i'll tell you when i was first watching this the very first time i saw it it was like this is what i expected more of i you know i expected more you know monster fights and um and to be straight this is like really i think one of the only ones we get maybe the only like yeah. you get the one at the very beginning of the very first the episode very yeah yeah and and that's okay to um to some extent, because that's not really what the books are about either. Um, but it was a little surprising that, you know, when I first saw this, I thought I'd be seeing a lot of monster fights and, and you know, and this was the only one we got. But there, it certainly is worth it. There are so many great, like, little Witcher elements in it, too. We get to see potions. Yeah. I think it's Cat, like, his eyes and his peoples are all black, which you see in the first episode as well. We yeah. get to see signs. I believe we see Ard. We see Ard. And also, is it Yurden? Yurden, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, both of those and some really good uses of art, I thought. Like yeah. Really good, clever. Oh, and you're like getting the sarcophagus closed around yeah. him. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but even also the art where he uses it to kind of break. He's on the, the ground. He uses it to break through the ground. So he crashes to the floor yeah. beneath them, I thought was really cool. And then the silver wolf knuckles. Yeah. Oh, my God. Those yeah. are hilarious. Well, the wolf knuckles, like all the tools here are really kind of cool. Um like I love the the silver chain. Yeah. She, now she breaks it really, oh, really, <laughs> really quickly easily. here. Yeah, that's not that is a little change from the 
look, I don't. She breaks think, out of it in the book. She too, does, yeah. but not quite, not, not quite immediately. Yeah. You know? Where, but I do like the moment where she does. And he's like, oh fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, that and yeah, and the wolf knuckles are are pretty great. Um, I mean, it's just everything he can do to keep from killing her. Yeah. Um, since that's what he's trying to do, and you know, and that's like the other element that's fascinating too. You get this intense you know, pretty great monster fight battle, you know, between him and the Striga, but he's not trying to kill her the way that he typically would with a monster. That would be a much quicker fight. Yeah. 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 No, I, for sure. Um, like he's, he's definitely, he has her dead to rights if he wants to several times and he just doesn't, you know, that's not what he wants to do. Um, he's trying to save her. Um, you know, and so, so, yeah, you know, it is a pretty great fight. There's more I think I want to say about it, but I think I'm going to save it till we get to our off the path section. Um, but I mean, but if you have more, you know. No, just that he gets his ass handed to him at the end. <laughs> yeah. Not that I'm complaining about shirtless Henry Cavill, but you know. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, but you you did want to talk a little bit about I shirtless Henry I do. Henry. I do want to talk about shirtless Henry Cavill a little bit because he has said in interviews that for this show, and he hasn't specified what scenes as far as I know, mm -hmm. but that he actually did that bodybuilding trick of where you essentially dehydrate yourself to make your muscles pop. Because when you're dehydrated, your skin is thinner, mm -hmm. so your muscles show up more. And it's a trick that bodybuilders do for competitions. And yeah. Sometimes actors do it as well. And I want to ask, like, who is this for? Because, what? like, look, not to speak on behalf of all people that are sometimes attracted to men, right? We're not a <laughs> Borg-level hive mind, contrary to popular belief. But... I don't need him to do that. Like he can be 10% less muscly. Yeah. It's fine. I really wish actors like wouldn't feel the pressure to do this sort yeah. of thing. Well, I mean, I don't want to turn this into a big tangent, so I'll just say this about it, but I do feel like it fits into this sort of ideal, you know, body type on both sides. And I've often wondered like, yeah, who is that for? You know, like I'm, uh, Again, I don't want to get into too much of a tangent here, but I, I'm 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 a straight man, and you know it's like the sort of like supermodel look, you know, these like really sort of like kind of idealized like look for women have never really like I, like you just said I don't really need to see that yeah. either, and I feel like it's a little bit of the same thing, you know, like um, Henry Cavill is in great shape. Um, he's always going to look like he's in great shape. I mean, as long as he continues to work out and do his, his, his workout routines. Yeah. Dehydrating yourself. Like it's done, but it's like, you know, do you need to take that extra I step? I feel like you don't. And it's like, I mean, obviously he's doing it within, I, I'm sure he knows what he's doing, yeah. but it's, to me, it's not sexy that you're slowly desiccating, <laughs> that you're not drinking water, you know? Yeah. I would rather you be healthy and and just not even, look quite as muscly yeah, on the but, camera. But like, even, it's fine. Even when he's in bed with a singing sex worker who's, like, he talking about his scars. He would be fine without it. He would be fine. <laughs> I mean, I he's, pretty, he's pretty sexy there, I got to say. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a good-looking dude. But, you know, they're all a lot of the people in this show are good-looking people. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I wish Hollywood would back off on this unrealistic, idealized body type for both men and women. Yeah. But to the point where people are like dehydrating themselves to achieve a certain look. Just yeah. Why do we need to do that? You know? Yeah, it is odd. And I do, I do wonder. It's like, you know, we, we think like, oh, we're making all this sort of progress, progress with acceptance and, and stuff like that. And, and it feels like 
there is a lot of progress being made kind of in real life, but it feels like Hollywood maybe is a little slow to yeah, like catch a big up step to behind. That. Yeah. Let yeah. the man drink water. <laughs> Speaking of dehydration, I hear drinking whiskey is dehydrating. <laughs> oh, that is a transition, Tim, and I'm proud of you for it. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I feel like that's really why we we do this podcast. So we drink whiskey and look really cut as a result. That, is that how this works? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> if it were, oh, the six pack I would have. <laughs> we would both have. Oh, it would be amazing. <laughs> so what do you think of this whiskey, my friend? How so is- spoiler alert, I have had this one before. This is one that I actually regularly drink. Yeah. And that's going to be the case sometimes. We're not always going to be trying something new here. I quite enjoy it. Yeah. Well, I do too. It's um, it's very smooth, you know, and I could see why you why you would. I mean, it's, you know, I guess um, I guess like full transparency, I've um I've had a little bit more of this one than <laughs> I think we have in the uh, I have in the past too. Um so so it goes down easy. It does go down easy. And yeah, and we were talking about bourbons earlier and, you know, this, 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 this counts, right? Like this is a bourbon. Yeah. yeah. We decided that a bourbon has to be 51% made from corn yeah, as opposed to whiskey. That's grain. Mm-hmm. Although uh, the bourbon is still a whiskey, but not all whiskeys are bourbons. Not all whiskeys are bourbons. But all bourbons are whiskeys. So we had, oh, go on. I was just saying this particular one was made in Tennessee. Um, I think back in the day, had it been made in Kentucky, but nowadays it's fine. As long as it's made in the U.S., it counts. Yeah. The last one we had, last our last episode was a Kentucky bourbon. So we've had two bourbons, one rye so far. Um, and I think we're going to get crazy in our next. Our oh, we're going to get a little wild. Yeah. yeah we're gonna it's going to be fun. <laughs> Stay tuned. But yeah, I like this one. So I'm glad you like it too. Producer Sean, anything to say about this one? Uh, I like this one a little um, not one of the oakier ones that we've had so far but a little bit of tobacco a little green apple look at um, Sean a little bit of licorice on the Sean's like a fucking professional guys (laughs) Tim and I are like oh it's smooth it tastes great we like it glug glug (laughs) this is why Sean's our producer so he can make us know what we're talking about yeah Sean knows his shit, man. I do have a bevmology degree. Perhaps I should put my apron on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so transitioning to our next segment, it's time for the Care Moron of the episode. Care Moron. Yeah, so what character made a bunch of really terrible decisions (laughs) that we're going to crown them the Care Moron? I wonder what it could be. Um, Do we have the same one this time? I think we might. Yeah. All right, so do you want to say it? or? Yeah, so I think it's our boy, Lord Ostrich. Lord Ostrich. Yeah. 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 No, Lord Ostrich was like I said, he, you know, I I get falling in love. Hey, love makes you do crazy, dumb things sometimes. Like, you know, but, curse a child to become a monster. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's your end game, dude? It's been 14 years. Like, this is the long, 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 long game. Like, the peasants are just now starting to think about revolting. Yeah. I don't think he thought this through very well. You know, I mean, like, again, sympathetic like he's in love love makes you do stupid things like it makes you you know not be your wisest self sometimes but you know it's it was dumb he he created a monster that killed a bunch of people um and ultimately got him killed so and then like we didn't even talk about this in our main review but masturbated on her bed quite a lot oh yeah Yeah. i think i put that out of my head oh yeah (laughs) and like side note if you watch that scene he does like now that you know that that's what he's smelling you can actually see that you know the little acting behind the scenes where he kind of does that double take in the moment uh gerald i mean but yeah yeah 
yeah, that's kind of weird. You know, like is Ostrich like like getting off to the thought of the Striga? Like what is that? I don't know, man. He's making a lot of bad choices and that's just one of them. Yeah, yeah. No, but this is clearly he's. Yeah, I think he's a clear choice for the Care Moron this episode. I think it's the first time we've had one. That we agree upon, yeah. Yeah, and certainly the first time that we've agreed. So, And he's a minor character. We don't have to speak of him again. So I think (laughs) think we could just maybe move on to our next section. Peace out, bro. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so our next section is Off the Path, where we discuss the differences in the IP between usually the books and the show. Yeah. So some big differences in this one. Uh, The introduction of Triss, she does not appear at all in this short story. Yeah, that is a big one, and I, I, I... I refrain from actually saying that when we were talking about Triss earlier, which is absolutely, yeah, that's the biggest, I think, um, way this goes off off the path, although there are others as well. Um, yeah, she's not in, in the short story at all. She's not, I don't think she's even introduced um, at this point. Well, certainly not in this story, which is the first story in the book, but I don't even know she's introduced in the first book, maybe at the very end. Um, and you don't actually meet her and, and interact with her in the books until much later. Until I think the first novel, the one that you, yeah, Blood you of recently Elves. completed. Yeah, I think that's the first time you you actually get any moments with her in the books. And um, and so, yeah, it's interesting that they introduce her in this episode. I think I think it it's a good choice. Yeah, though. I like it. I'm yeah. glad that she's here. In the books, there's just like three random dudes that you know, yeah. work in the court. Yeah. And I, I don't think the story one, one suffers Aust- at all. Yeah, Austrian. one of them is Ostrich. Yeah. I don't think the story loses anything by no. ditching two of the exposition bros. So yeah. by adding Tristan, it introduces the character earlier. We get to see her doing cool sorceressy things. Yeah, I think that's really the thing is it just basically gives you a chance to introduce this character much earlier in the the series than you would otherwise um this character who presumably hopefully will play a key role or a big role an important role going forward so i yeah i i think this i think this definitely goes down in my book is like a positive adaptation a positive change and it makes a lot of sense to me but there are other changes in this this episode as well other ways that this goes off the path um i think one of the biggest ones that struck me along with just kind of introducing these other random characters that are in the story um was you know right off the bat one that it's a striga and two that it's a result of um a fultist having a child with his sister like they don't hide that that's, yeah like that's, the court even seems to know that yeah like everybody in the court everyone does everyone seems to know and um and fultist readily seems to acknowledge it too you know like I don't know. I wouldn't say he's proud of it necessarily, but he, he, you know, that's why he doesn't want the streak killed is he's he's told by a wizard that, oh, you can reverse it. And once he learns that he, he refuses to let anyone kill the streak. Yeah. So in that way, it makes sense to me. I understand why he doesn't want the the streak killed, you know, like it's it's his daughter. You kind of get that, um, you know, so I, I you know, Certain things make a little more sense to me in the story as it's written in the book. But that said, having it as a twist is kind of cool. I think it's kind of cool, you know, that you don't learn that till halfway through the episode. So I don't know that I don't know that I'm opposed to this change. I just um, I feel like there are advantages both ways in this case. Yeah. One of the other things I want to talk about, too, and I'm kind of shoehorning it into this segment a little bit, uh-huh. but 
the timelines. Mm. So we haven't talked too much about the timelines yet and how there are different timelines happening during the different stories in The Witcher. But this, for me personally, was the mm -hmm. first episode, the first time I was watching through where I realized, oh, oh, they are different timelines. You know, there's little hints here and there, but you don't necessarily you, pick up on it your first watch through because you, you're not too familiar with the world. I give, yeah. Yeah, and this was the, when you see young Foltest and young at, a, at the the magic yeah. graduation ceremony. Yeah. Like that's yeah. when it really clicked for me. Like, oh shit, these are all these storylines are happening and there are different times and they're converging. And yeah, yeah. That, well, that was the first time I really like got it. And it's funny because I give you credit because I it took me an episode longer. I did not pick it up here. And it's funny watching it now in retrospecting, like, how did I not pick up on yeah. all these things that yeah. people are saying? But when you don't have a basis of, you know, you're new to the world, mm -hmm. you don't necessarily know that that's what's being referenced. Well, and it's still yeah. I mean, that's that's, I think, one of the hallmarks of this series, at least with the first season, is it does play around with the timelines. I mean, yeah. it's just, it, you know, all these stories, when you have like a, uh, a Yen story and you have a Geralt story and you have a series story, they're all playing out at different times. Um, Which was a very controversial choice. There's yeah. some people on the internet that hate the timelines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like full disclosure, I love a nonlinear timeline. It's totally one of my favorite tropes. So I am well, all aboard. And I'd argue that while it's not quite as dramatic and drastic as it is on the show, the book plays around with timelines quite a bit too. You know, like you'll the books you'll you'll have you'll have one narrative sort of going, and then it'll cut to a new chapter, and then you'll be like like yeah, a few months down the line, or you'll be talking to a different character at a different point in the in the timeline. It's not quite as drastic where. You know, there are almost generations between the timelines yeah. like what you have. I think. Yeah, like Blood of Elves jumps a few years ahead. With yeah, Siri. yeah, yeah, for certain. And um, and as they go on and as you as you, as each, you know, various characters have their own storylines, you realize they're you don't know that they all quite line up um, chronologically. They the books definitely play around with that. So I think I think there's definitely the door was open for them to take that approach in adapting the material, but it is still very drastic and it is, it is confusing at times. And I, I, I get back to, is it too distracting? Does it really serve what you're trying to do? I think it does. Now, again, I'm a timeline stan. Like yeah. I love a nonlinear timeline, Yeah. but um, I think, I don't know how else you'd introduce all these different characters yeah. that, you know, and give them equal time and equal footing. Otherwise, it's just going to be like the Geralt show for the longest time. And then maybe yeah. season three series shows up. Like, I think this is a nice way to actually introduce everybody and give them, you know, their own storylines at the I same mean, time. I mean, it probably was the best of like not a lot of options of ways of doing that. Or, you know, like, I don't know. You're right. I don't know how else you do that. Um, but, I, you know, it is confusing. And and I will say, like, I. If I didn't love this sort of world and universe as much, if I didn't, if there weren't things that I glommed onto right away that I'm like, oh, this is really cool. I want to see what happens. You know, it's possible that could have turned me off to the point that I I, I, I tuned, off, tuned out. And I think there are people who that did. So, you know, it was a choice for sure. <laughs> see, I loved it. I, um, I didn't find it confusing because I just didn't really, until it occurred to me that there were different timelines, I was just kind of like, do, 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 you know, yeah. the different stories. And then finally, when I had that moment, an aha moment of, oh, okay, 
these are happening at different points in time. Yeah. Yeah. It just wasn't ever really, I guess it just wasn't an issue for me. Yeah. So. Yeah, it did. Like, I, you know, I'll say this without, I don't want to go into the next episode, but it's like, it, that was, it was the next episode where I realized it. And it was largely when I saw the time jump between um, um, where Yennefer's story leaves off here and where it starts yes. in the next episode. And I do remember, you're right. Everything you said is true. It didn't really um, distract me or anything like that, like, you know, from enjoying it prior to that. But right when the start, the next episode started, there was this moment where I'm like, what the fuck? What is going on? I'm confused. What is this? And, yeah. You know, and I think I, I honestly think I, I, I texted you and like, <laughs> like asked, asked about that. Like, what, what is this? It did throw me. And like I said, at that point I was pretty invested, so I wasn't going to stop watching, but I, you know, you, you kind of have to pay attention, you know, and, um, yeah, you do. Yeah. But you do with a lot of fantasy series. Yeah. Yeah. But this is, this is a unique approach. I don't know any other one that kind of takes, takes this approach. Um, and it is, you know, it, but it is, it, I would actually also say at this point, it's also kind of one of the things that sets a show apart, you know, like it is a hallmark of it. Yeah. And, um, and so I think you could see it as something like, Oh, that's, that's confusing. I don't get that. Or you can see it as like, Hey, that's something Witcher does that uh, other shows don't do and then see it as something kind of cool. So, I mean, that's, I think where I'm at now after having, watched it a few times and and you know really kind of gotten into it well it's also really fun to rewatch it and see things yeah. that are sprinkled in at the beginning and you're like oh that's when that happens and they're yeah. actually referencing this yeah it's fun yeah but i mean i'll be honest there are times going through in the season where i'm not entirely sure where what happens when and where everything lays out and you're right maybe you don't need to know that stuff but you're just so used to having that that it is yeah. a little bit of a surprise awesome so our next segment is the hmm count. Oh, how many hmm? How many hmm? How many hmms? So once again, controversial, guys. Closed captioning, bit. I feel like, isn't catching all of the hmms. <laughs> but what is a hmm? What if, if a tree falls in the forest and it doesn't actually... <laughs> like, what counts as a hmm? <laughs> so what, you know, how many hmms do we count, Valor? I have four. Which I have two. Four Excellent. Four We're on the same page. You know, one of them... Was not, you know, one that showed up in the the closed captioning, right? Yeah. Uh, um, and the other thing I would observe about this episode is there is a lot of sighing happening yes. in this episode. And there's a, a difference sigh. between a yes. sigh and a hmm. A sigh is not a hmm. <laughs> um, but there's, yeah, yeah, Geralt sighs many times. There's a lot of sighs. Yeah. You know what else there is? There's a lot of dramatic leaning on things. And as someone <laughs> who likes to lean on things, I really appreciated it. Yeah. He's leaning on walls. He's leaning on chests. He's leaning on crates. He's just like leaning throughout not, the entire episode. And I'm here for it. He's not leaning shirtless, though. I think you'd you know, be even more here for it. If uh, I'd be here for anyone in this show leaning on anything shirtless. But. <laughs> so four hmms, which is a little more than than last episode, but not as much as episode one. So, uh, you know, I'm not keeping a grand tally of where we are in the season. I probably should be. Well, we'll, we'll have to go back and look. So I think it's then it's time for our our final our segment. Final segment. Final segment. Crossroads of Destiny. Our look ahead of what we're excited for in season two. and. Um, and it was your suggestion. This, yeah. This so week. this is the first episode where we've met a different witcher besides Geralt. Mm -hmm. So in season two, we're going to meet other witchers. guys. Yeah. Yeah. And this is really cool for anyone who 
who has read the books or played the games because there are other witchers in both and including some that are just great characters so yeah. we're excited to see them on the show do you want to talk about some of the ones yeah i mean it, so one of the cool things we kind of touched on this earlier in the episode but in the games and the books as far as i know there are only four remaining wolf yeah. witchers, but based on the the trailers for season two, it looks like there are actually going to be more. Mm -hmm. So I find that really intriguing, and I'm really curious to see what they do with that. I think that's a really cool concept. Yeah. Um, but our main ones, we have Geralt, of course. We mm. have Vesemir, who's kind of his mentor father yeah. figure. Yeah. And there's also Eskel and Lambert. Yeah. And we're going to see all of them in the next season, yeah. as well as Cohen, who is he a griffin? That, I all right, think so, he's a griffin. So Cohen really, really confuses me um, because Cohen is a character who I first discovered in the books. Um, if you've played the Witcher game, Vesmer is in the game, um, Lambert's in the game, and Eskel, um, they're all in the game. Yeah. And these are all three Witchers who will be introduced next season. But Cohen is not. Yeah. So one on one hand, I'm wondering what happens to Cohen that I haven't gotten to yet, <laughs> you know, and I don't know. I honestly, I, at this point where I am almost through the fourth, the fourth book, I have one more book to go, you know, it may just be Cohen disappears, but, um, but anyhow, he's, he's, he's in, he's in blood of elves. He's in the, the, what I think the sequence that we're going to see brought to the show next season. So he should be there at care more. And, um, but yeah, I don't, you know, you were saying you don't think he's school of the wolf. No, I think he's a griffin. I mean, yeah. like Which makes me sure wonder what the hell is he doing at the, the school yeah. of the wolf? You know, that's, and, and, and I can say, you know, and, and you would know, cause you've read the book now too. Blood of Elves doesn't really ever go into that. No, they describe sort there. of what he looks like. You know, that he's got dark hair and then he's got like pockmark scars yeah. and that's yeah. it. Yeah. So I'm introduced. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm interested. I'm excited to see him introduced. And, um, and really, you know, like, like, I'm curious to see if maybe they explain if he is a different school, what he's doing at, um, at Care More and, um, in season two. Um, also, I think, you know, we need to talk a little bit about Vesemir. Vesemir is, um, like you said, he's kind of, kind of, um, Geralt's mentor. He's a yeah, father figure. Yeah. Like, like all the witchers are old. They live, you know, extended lifetimes, but Vesemir is the oldest of the two of them or sorry, of the, of the. Well, four four of them yeah yeah um you know i think he's the oldest living um wolf witcher at this point and um and and is just a, a a wonderful character i'm looking forward to see him to seeing him brought to life um he is also for those of you who just know the netflix stuff is the protagonist of nightmare of the wolf so you know maybe we'll get to that down the line but you know yeah um so he's you know you've already seen him brought to the screen in 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 one form, but now you'll see him as most of us know him as this older sort of mentor figure. And he also has a really cool relationship with Siri, which hopefully um, we'll see. I mean, all the witchers do. That's 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 the thing I think I'm most excited about yeah. um, with this is seeing, you know, those that kind of relationship brought to life, you know, between these various witchers and Siri, because they all care about her in their own way. And they all try to kind of. Um, I guess instruct her and help her develop in 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 their own way. Um, yeah, I'm really excited just to see see other witchers and see Geralt's relationship with other witchers yeah. and how they're all going to interact together. And 
Now you're a fan. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this up. You're a fan of the actor who plays Lambert, right? You've yes, become, I follow him on Instagram. I mean, I follow a lot of the cast on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Paul you, Bullion. You've become Paul Bullion. Okay. He, now he's not an actor that most people would know. He was in Peaky Blinders. Okay. I mean, he's been a bunch of stuff, but yeah, that's All right. like one of his big things. So maybe some some people will, but he's not. You know, he's not a Henry Cavill level. You know, star. I guess most people on the show really aren't. Um, I didn't know who he was, but yeah, you've 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 become a fan of him. Um, you know, yeah. What do you think? Is he the one you're most excited to see? I think the casting is really interesting for the Witchers because in canon, in the books and in the games and whatnot, Geralt and Eskel are contemporaries. Yeah. Like they came up together in Witcher school, yeah. whereas Lambert's supposed to be a little younger. Yeah, he's younger. But yeah. because of COVID, they originally had an older actor cast to play Eskel, and then they had a recast, and now the new guy, and I apologize, I don't know his name, but he's younger, whereas Paul Bullion is more in his 30s. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to see how that dynamic plays out and if they're going to change it so that, you know, maybe reverse their roles a little bit. So then, so you're saying... Eskel's actually going to be younger than Lambert on the show. The actor is. I don't know mm-hmm. if they're going to play it that way, but yeah, the actor is younger and does look a little younger. That's interesting. Yeah, because Lambert is supposed to be the youngest. I don't know how old Cohen's supposed to be. I don't know. I don't he, either. Yeah, he fits into it. But, you know, so we're going to see Witchers. We're also going to see Kier Moran. Yes. Seems like it's going to be a really sort of crazy cool like set. medallion goth tree. In yeah. The middle of the. Yeah. Dining hall. Yeah. yeah, I love it. So that that's all that's all going to be really cool. And, you know. Um, I think it's really interesting. Obviously, anyone who's read the books, anyone who's played the games, um, you know, they're big segments of the game set at Kier Morin. So um, so it means something to to fans who, who know the games. But um, I also think even now that this anime is out, you know, and you see um, Kier Morin then, you know, now getting to see it in the future will be really cool too. Um, of course, it'll also be kind of sad because now we're going to see it past its prime. Right, and, yeah. You know? um, and like you said, we'll see how many witchers there are. We don't know, but, you know, they aren't making more witchers. They're kind of like this sort of dying race. And, you know, I think that's always been what's a little bit kind of cool about these characters, these people is, you know, they live so long that they are the last of their kind. Yeah. And, um, you know, and so there's always a little bit of sort of sadness and pathos to 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 witchers in the world. So we'll see if that's all brought to season two. Yeah, I'm excited to see what they what they do with it. Yeah. We'll see new witchers and hopefully the contacts are better. I'm sorry, the contacts are just weird sometimes. <laughs> that's funny. I you know Will they all even have the contacts? I don't yeah, know. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Like will they all have the yellow eyes? Um that's that's something we'll we'll find out. So um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm very jazzed for season two. You know what I'm looking forward to, Valerie? Is it does it involve whiskey? Yeah, I was going to say finishing this this bottle of bourbon we have. <laughs> but I, 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 I think, you know, I think that maybe might be it for talking about Witcher while we do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks as always for joining us. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And we will see you for the next episode with a new bottle. Whiskey with Witcher is a malcontent media production by Tim Beadle and Valerie Petrarca. Our producer is Sean Farina. For updates, picks, and behind-the-scenes shenanigans, follow us on Twitter at WhiskeyWitcher and on Instagram at WhiskeyWithWitcher. Want to express your undying love for Roach or recommend a good whiskey? Email us at WhiskeyWithWitcher at malcontent.media. Who knows? We might even get drunk enough to read your email in a future podcast. 
If you like what you've heard, toss us a proverbial coin by rating and reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts and subscribing wherever podcasts are downloaded. Cheers. Do we want to go full uh, like zoo crew and have a bone cave? <laughs> we could. I should stop looking at my notes because I just have written really big on this page. Boning in the bone cave. <laughs> <laughs> which is, which is where my eyes keep cave. going for. <laughs> also, if I want to do another air horn interjection. Incest. I don't think there's too much incest in the show. As far as we know. Yeah. Yeah. So far. <laughs> um, that's a word that I think having a little whiskey helps you. Yeah, Voodalak. Uh, Voodalak. Voodalak. It's okay. That's about all I have to say about Voodalak. Either you just need some water? Yeah, I'll take some sure. water. I'm chugging this whiskey like it's water, so. Voodalak? Voodalak. What did I say it was? Voodalak. 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 Yeah. I don't even remember how I pronounce it now. Is it Vukalak? Vudalak? Vudalak. Vudalak. I kind of like how you pronounce it. I might be wrong. It's easier than however it was. It might be Vukalak. I don't know it's anymore. Vuka, it's Vuka I don't Dalak. know anymore. Well, I know I, I wrote it's it down. It's in Polish. I, I don't know. I wrote down how they, it was spelled in the subtitles. So, um, so I know how it's spelled now. Yeah, how they actually say it on the show that. I may have fucked it up. Vudalak. <laughs> I don't know. Why <laughs> did I said it wrong? All right, what were we saying? <laughs>